The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? It's been a while since I've been on here. I know, you're a stranger now. And Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Greetings and salutations. So uh, as you all may or may not have noticed, uh, we were we didn't have an episode last week. I was on vacation with my family, taking a brief bit of time off. And uh, while I was on vacation, I had a bit of technology uh, woes. This I was just saying before we started, this is becoming a regular segment now. <laughs> Dom's tale of woe of the week. I don't know what it is, but I'm having technology problems all the time I, now. We, we, will, we will accept uh, submissions for bumpers for this uh, <laughs> section of the show. Victor Lambs, who edits some of our shows, he's also good at making uh, uh, musical uh, stingers and bumpers and theme songs. So I might ask him to make up one for us for this. Uh. <laughs> so, but th- this one has to do with Kindle eBooks. I, I probably mentioned before that virtually everyone in my family, several of the kids, we all have uh, e- Kindles now, eBooks. We do library like via OverDrive, get library books, and you know, between my wife and I. We have hundreds of Kindle books that we've bought over the years. And so recently in July, my daughter's Kindle stopped working. It broke. And so we traded it in. I got a new one. We sent the old one back as a trade in. We got, you know, some 20 bucks or something for it, which is not bad given that's like 20% off of the price of a new one. So the week before we went on vacation, my daughter started saying, Dad, my some of the books that I want that, that I usually read or that I've been reading aren't in the library. I'm like, oh, she must be doing something wrong. I mean, obviously, you know, that's that must be it, right. So, uh, but when I looked, they weren't there. I thought, that's really strange. And it's like, you know, what, let me just go and see. Like, I know we had bought, you know, Star Trek, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker novelization. So let me go check that. Yeah, it says we bought it. But when I go to the Amazon page to, you know, where you could say re-download it, it just says buy it. I'm like, that's really weird. But I, I bought it just to, to see what happened. And it, went through as a purchase. I'm like, this is, but I was busy packing, you know, to go on vacation. I just didn't have time to, to deal with it. Well, while we're uh, on vacation, the other ch- children and my wife, Melanie came to me like, look, we're missing all of these books. And as I went through it, it wasn't just one or two books. There was a, more than a hundred books missing. Wow. That we had purchased because uh, I've had an Amazon account for more than 20 years. Like, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I've bought a lot of books from them. And so I, long story very long story uh longer than it should be but still shorter <laughs> uh i i spent a lot of time of my vacation on amazon's customer service chat with various folks um for whom english is not necessarily their first language to say uh charitably <laughs> trying to explain to them what's going on and then and then going around in circles about the problem and it turns out that it might have been my mistake but bad user interface design on their part or it could be something they did. But when I sent my daughter's Kindle back, all the books that were on her Kindle got deleted from our library. I don't know why that should be possible. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure why I would want yeah. to delete books I've purchased from my library. But 
that's weird. Yeah. So be careful in that uh, with that. But it also reminds me that I need to to continue to do something I've been trying to do for a long time, which is back up my Kindle books, which Mm. is possible. And uh, I want to recommend this is actually a pick we've mentioned before, but I want to recommend it again. It's an app called Calibre. Uh, It looks like caliber. It looks like the word caliber uh, spelled in the British or Canadian fashion with the E and the R reverse. But it's C-A-L-I-B-R-E. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, and it's, it runs on, you know, PC, uh, Mac, the, all the various uh, systems. And it's basically, uh, it's a, it's a piece of software that'll suck in an ebook, store it, categorize it, but can also do conversions. Uh, mm-hmm. although you can't convert books that have digital rights management, like Amazon books without also adding in some other tools that, um, they technically it strips the DRM, but you have to put the serial number of your Kindle in. So you have to own a Kindle in order to to use it properly. Oh. So it, it so it, it it prevents you you know you from just giving away stripping the DRM and giving away the book. Uh, the, the, there are probably other ways to do that. I don't know. I don't do that. But um, but but what it does do is allow you to at least de- I'll, I'll go over how to download and store your books, uh, your, your Kindle eBooks. Uh, and that way you can, if you, if something like this ever happened to you, or if it ever happened to me again, you don't have to go through the, the hassle of having Amazon restore them one by one. Like I had a hundred <laughs> books that they had to restore one by one, uh, mm-hmm. clicking over and over again. Uh, so this is what you do. You go to your Amazon account, go to amazon.com. You go under uh, the, your accounts and lists and you go to the page where it says your content and devices. And under content, you'll say show books and then purchases. So books is the default, I think. But purchase, you just want to see books you've purchased, not borrowed or that sort of thing. Uh, Then you'll see all of your books. And if you're like me, we have 576 books listed there. (laughs) And uh, under actions, you'll see like a little button with three dots in it. You'll click on that and you'll say... Uh, you'll look for the the link that says download and transfer via USB. Now, you're not transferring this via USB, but this is how you get it to download it to your computer. So you click on that link. It'll ask you to uh, which device are you downloading this to? Uh, because you need to, it's going to embed the serial number for that device in the file to associate this with you. So you just pick your, you usually just pick your default Kindle or whatever. If you have more than one Kindle, just pick one of them. And then click download, and then it will download to your your drive, whatever directory or folder is the default for your browser. Uh, from there, uh, once you've downloaded them, but you're gonna have to do this one by one. There's no there's no way around this. Is you got to do it one by one. Uh, then you open up Calibre, and there's a button to add books, and you'll just you can do you can add a whole bunch of books at once. That's nice. So uh, you add books from a directory. You'll go you'll uh, click the button, and it will automatically pull down. It should it should pull down all of the metadata, the cover, the the author, all of that that sort of thing uh, associated with the book, and then it will file the book somewhere else on your drive, wherever the default place is, or if you select a new place for it to file the books. The nice thing is, is books are mostly text, so they don't take up a whole lot of space on your drive, uh, regardless. Uh, once you do that, then you. You can stop there because that means you've now got the file. You've backed it up. 
and you've got it in a in a place to to hold on to it. And then you you know there are things about converting it to other formats so that if you want to put it on your iPad in the ebooks format or you know the EPUBs format or something like that, uh, there are things that Calibri lets you do. But just for backing up, th- this is what I would recommend. Uh, now, do either of you back up your Kindle? See, now I I just have the Kindle app, and that's where I think it's kind of interesting that it does not work with Kindle app. You have to have a physical device, Kindle device. Even right. like an iPad isn't sufficient. You have to have the actual Kindle. So I I don't uh, back them up, but I don't have as many on ebook anywhere near what you have. So right. I'm not quite as worried about. I'm actually was thinking, you know, I'm more concerned about Audible books, but those used to be you could just download them. And just play them, you know, that you could get them in formats that were playable right. offline. I wonder if they are now. Uh, the audiobooks are in the same place in your account under uh, content and devices. So right. you can look there and see if you can download them. Uh, let me see if I get audiobooks here. And uh, come I, on. Because I remember it wasn't, I remember when, when Audible, but this was before Audible became, was bought out by Amazon. Mm-hmm. It was very easy to download your Audible books and then it would use the Audible player to kind of, DDRM them. Right. And then then you could save them as MP3 or whatever. Yeah, there isn't there doesn't seem to be a way to download it uh this in the same way that you can do with your ebook. So that's right. something to keep in mind. Let me click on here on this one. Yeah, there isn't a way to download it this in the same way. So that might be yeah. There 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 might be a way to do it somewhere else, but yeah, not it's not the same thing as the ebook. No. So no, it's a good idea though, and and you know one one thought too with with Audible or with Amazon books, uh, Kindle books, there has been controversies in the past where Amazon, because of licensing issues or copyright or whatever, has deleted right. Kindle books. Yes, the most famous of which was 1984 because they didn't have permission <laughs> to put it on Kindle in the first place. <laughs> right, there was some rights issue with the edition that they published. Yeah, that's ironic. <laughs> yeah. As far as my backing up the books, I took a different approach. Uh, I've got the the app for the PC, uh, you know, the cloud reader. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I also got the, the app, the executable version for Windows. Right. And I was able there just to select all the books and download them. And it created the little AZW file. And then I could I could take that folder that they were in zip it up and store it over in Dropbox. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that was a way around it for me. I haven't tried it on a Mac to see whether that same approach would work, but th- that's what I did with the PC. It doesn't. I tried. Yeah, in the Mac, it, it downloads it inside because in uh, Mac apps are, are kind of folders in themselves. They're, they're basically uh, zip files. Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it stores it inside the folder package. And oh, dear. The the file names are like these random no, names, like random mm. number uh, letters and numbers. So you don't know what's what. You don't know which book is which. So it doesn't. Well, that's true. It did create. You know, it gave me a folder with that type of thing. But as soon as I clicked on it, it called up the app to, so I could read it from there. Too. Okay, you just don't know so, which which folder, which one is which book is which until you've opened that's it. That's true, right? Yeah. But yeah. if but, I were just saying I want a backup. I yeah. do have at least that back up. Yeah. yeah. So you can do that. Yeah. You could, you can do that aspect on a Mac. Yeah. So, you know, it's, this isn't, it's by no means a perfect system because it requires you to do it one by one by one. The same thing actually with mm. the, the app for the Mac or PC is you have to download all the books to the computer 
from the cloud mm-hmm. in order to start doing it. So that, that and that that in itself can take a while. So um, there's Except no that easy in way. my in my PC program, I could select all of them and say download. That was the the right. nice advantage there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it's something you may not have thought about. Hey, this is something I should back up, but you know, maybe you should, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It almost sounds like it was a database problem on the Amazon side that, you know, the database with your, your profile got corrupted somehow. Mm-hmm. My guess is that when they brought, they took in the old Kindle and deregistered it, the one we traded in, that's oh, sure. some, something in that process disassociated those books with, with my account uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, with the library. Bad. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's where it's like, because the, the, they they were telling me the system says I bought all these things. It's it's clear, uh, but it but it also showed that they were not in my library. So the right. the customer service rep had to go step by step. That's only part of my Kindle problem. Uh, I won't go oh. into details in the other one because we fixed it by getting a warranty replacement. But my son's Kindle, I put it on the Wi-Fi at the house we were staying so we could download a new book to it. And as soon as we did that, it started a, a system update which froze in mid process. And oh, brick it. Yes, it it bricked. And it took me days with their <laughs> customer service because they kept they kept wanting to go, well, wait four hours to see if it finishes. It's not going to finish. It's been it's been a day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have waited four hours and four hours and four yeah, hours and four right. hours. You getting the hint? <laughs> <laughs> well, then it was like, how, what's the, how much battery life is left on it? I can't tell you that because I can't see that. It's not on that screen. Uh, yeah, so golly. Uh, I finally got them to the point of saying it's in warranty. Just send me a replacement. <laughs> Just. Yep. So we're doing that. So that's that was a whole nother thing. But uh, my my woe is your your uh, opportunity you have to, to avoid a problem uh, by backing up and uh, at least having a little bit of reassurance that your books are not going to disappear uh, in that case. <laughs> uh, one comment I wanted to make, too, is that you mentioned that Amazon could remove a book. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in many cases, I know people that have, you know, I will purchase a book. And then I will see that the authors actually made changes and the update is there for me. Yep. And that yep. that's kind of nice. Yeah. Every once in a while, you could go back to that page, the content and, in, right, and, and say, see oh, updates. Get the get the latest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I often I mean, I, I, I don't know how effective it is, but I often when I see a typo or other error in the book, I will actually there's a way you can hold it on the screen like and say report error and mm-hmm. report typos and things like that. I don't know if that does any good. It's just. I bet you those are the ones I found, Dom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's hope. I I, I feel like I'm doing something anyway. All right. So let's move on to our our first segment, our first news segment uh, to talk about. So the big thing a lot of people talk about is this big controversy over Apple's walled garden. Uh, Apple's famously (laughs) has created this system with iOS devices where you can only get apps on the phone without going through machinations, but really for 99% of people get apps Mm -hmm. on the phone through the app store. And that means that if it's not a free app, Apple gets a percentage of the, of the purchase price. And it also sets up these situations where uh, Apple has to create these rules that say, you can't get around our 30% tax by, uh, you know, charging people outside of the system and letting them sign up for things outside of the app store. Uh, Unless you're Amazon and you're the other, you know, right. 800-pound gorilla in the room that ready Netflix. to pounce. Yeah. Well, actually, no, Amazon still still has this problem. Like, you cannot buy a Kindle book in the Kindle app on your iOS device. 
you right, have, you do have another way to do it. Up. Yeah. You could go to a web browser. Right. Yeah. Right. Whereas but, and, is they that seems like they're also aiming at those people who are doing it outside their system, you know, trying to force that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's 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 this debate. Like if I go to Amazon and I buy like I go to their app and buy um a frying pan, should Apple get a, a chunk of that? Well, no. So why should they get a chunk of the book, ebook, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So eh, there's a little bit of a gray area there. But what makes a, an ebook different from, say, uh, a player skin in Fortnite? Right. And, and that's where we've we've run into a huge or, issue. Or even even more. I mean, you know, of course, referring to uh, Epic Games with Fortnite has basically forced Apple's hand. Yes. And and what what they're doing is not just Fortnite. They're, they want to bring the Epic Games launcher to right. iOS so then, you can get apps through Epic Games, not Apple. Right. And and that means uh, Google Stadia, which we've talked about before, and mm-hmm. Microsoft xCloud and Steam and all these systems, which would get, let you play games that are not iOS games or so, or just use software. It doesn't have to be games. That's not iOS software but uses your iOS device, your iPad, let's say, as mm-hmm. a uh, as as a screen, as a dumb terminal, as a thin yep. client, maybe some people say, uh, to get access to software running on a server somewhere. Uh, so uh, you could play a top-notch game that would be like an Xbox game or a PlayStation game, but you're playing it on your iPad. It's not using the iPad's resources, a CPU. It's using a CPU on a server somewhere. And mm-hmm. so... It's sort of funneling it through, like almost like now some people some people would compare it to Netflix. I'm watching a program from Netflix. It's not running on my iPad. It's running on a server, and it's just showing right. me the the visual cue about, oh, uh, of it, the visual aspect of it. Really, an extension of like remote desktop. Yes, but right. instead of remote desktop top into doing you know Word and Outlook and things like that, instead you're doing you know, an Xbox game or a Google game or something like that. Well, like, for instance, Microsoft Office, they have an app for the iPad and the iPhone and all those things, and there's no charge for those. And yet you have to have be an Office 365 yep. subscriber to use them. Right. So, you know, it's like, why is this different? I, I understand the, gosh, Epic wants to make money, too. That's why they're really doing it is to make money. Mm-hmm. But it really, there's a lot of other things here that are parallel. Well, Epic made, I think, what was it? Something like $400 million on Fortnite in the first six months of, of the of the game launch <laughs> through the App yeah. Store. And Apple, that's what they made. Apple made on yep. top of that, the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. This is a, this is a lot of money we're talking about here. Yeah. And there's a lot of moving parts. And it's very tricky to figure out, well, you know, on the one hand, Apple should should get some things because it's running the system. It's created the, the place for them to to do mm-hmm. this and their servers, their customers, they they you know, we, when we go to the grocery store, the gro- Whole Foods or Kroger or whatever, you know, Albertsons, they get a chunk of the co- of what we buy. Like when you buy a cereal mm-hmm. off the they get 20% or 30%. That's and that's the mindset that Apple has. Like this is no different. It's the markup, right? You're right. renting our space, right? I think though the question is, um, and I think what what Epic's bigger concern isn't so much the walled garden itself. Although, like I said, 
I think they would they would be chomping at the bit to get the Epic Games launcher on yeah. there, just as Amazon would want to get the Kindle Games launcher, as Google would want to get Play Store on there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Their more concern is they have their own transaction system for getting money out of players. Right. They want people to use theirs, just as Amazon wants people to use Amazon Pay, just as PayPal wants people to use PayPal, just as Google wants people to use GPay, et cetera, right. et cetera, et cetera, where it's going around Apple as far as that part is concerned. And that's the bigger thing that I think Apple is concerned about is if they do that, they can't claim that 30% anymore. And oh, by the way, Epic also sued Google for the same thing. Right. Because the Play Store is much more open than App Store is. But they sued them because Google also takes its 30% if you use the GPay system. Right. And that's the thing is Google is that the difference between Google's way and Apple's way is Google doesn't require apps to use mm-hmm. their payment system. But if you do, and they make it easy to use and it's very you know easy for everyone, the, the consumer and the developer to use, then you've got to pay Google. I yep. I, I kind of lean toward and that's I'm not just being an Apple fanboy, I think, I, but I do kind of lean toward. Apple and Google, they go on the platform. I can see that they should get a, uh, they should get something. Is thirty percent too much? Could be, maybe. Uh, but you know, they they've created the place, they've created the ecosystem that makes it possible for these developers to reach consumers. On the other hand, uh, it's got to be a level playing field. It's got to be mm-hmm. you, you can't you can't have special deals for some and not others. I mean, of course, you're talking about an app that Fortnite's free to download. Right. Anybody can download. Of course, you can't right now because it's not on the place or not on the app store. But you can you go download have. the PC version or the Mac version. Yeah. And it's free to play. It's the in per, in-game purchases, which are cross-platform. You buy, as I understand it, with, with like Fortnite, you buy a new skin on on Apple you can use that skin on the Mac or the Windows you know, right. version or whatever. It's not like you have to buy, you know, some games, they have it where it's separate. You can buy the, yeah. you can buy the, you know, the add on the in-game for iOS, but it won't work on Android. You have to buy it again there, you know. Right. But I think Fortnite isn't like that. Yeah. Like, for example, Call of Duty is a separate mobile version on iOS. It's not the full mm-hmm. game. Uh, whereas for, for like some of the other ones, it's the same game, just different platforms yep well what about some of the things like farmville and some of those they had in game purchases i mean in you know Mm -hmm. if you could uh pay something to get you know more land more time or whatever how is how is that being handled and how is that different well it i don't think farmville or any of the zynga games were ever on ios if 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 i'm if i remember correctly were they yeah because i used to put yeah that's where they started out from uh well they uh and then I they moved off from, to just Facebook. Yeah, I remember I remember them on the, on Facebook. I think they were that uh the platforms Facebook or Apple were getting their their cut. I think that's Oh okay, mm-hmm. that's right. They, yeah. No, it's not that they can't do it, it's just that they're not getting the cut. Yes. If you ha- if right. you sell stuff in game and there's plenty of uh, stuff out there that sell in-game stuff. Sure. Uh okay. But so they're, it's all, they're getting their percent. Right. Yeah. right. And some of that uh, so for, I want to kind of talk about like the, i don't really care what big corporations get <laughs> i mean in the, in the yeah. long run but from a consumer standpoint what is it what what benefits the consumer here uh because on the one hand if it's all going through apple or google do we do we does it 
do we have more assurance that everything is above the board? Uh, you know, because I'm not worried about Epic Games ripping me off, but I am a little worried about Flyby Night. You know, who mm-hmm. knows shovelware game? The you know ripping me off and, and taking all my money with their in-game system that steals my credit card. You know, that's not right. possible right now with the way Apple and Google have the system set up. I mean, it's a little possible on Google, on Android just because they they don't have to use the Google payment right. system. Well, and, and of course, you have other payment systems out there. Right. Because, again, you know, as you said before, if Apple and Google were more open, of course, Google is. And you, you do see it where PayPal is an option within a, a game or within an app. Uh, Amazon payments are possible in an right. app you can see square you know of course square makes all the the plugins for ipads that then use uh that do the all the credit card transactions like at you know grocery stores yeah, and restaurants and those bars. don't go through the apple payment system was that those do not go through the apple payment system. those that's, do that's not correct. yeah that is yeah that is correct because it is a payment process square itself is a payment processor but it's a dedicated where you have to use the square app to do just the transaction that's right you're not you're not buying anything for the app. It's just the app does it, and I think I think Apple, rightfully so, would find it tell basically told to take a hike if they even oh, yeah. thought of saying, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take thirty percent of every credit card <laughs> transaction through Square. Well, that would just shut down the people using iPads for for cash registers. Nobody would use that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, there's all the but Square does do some non app based transactions as well where you right. can do a website that runs through the square app that's right or square transactions so there's all these other processors that would be there like in an instant i'm sure making sure their apis are available but again then it would be buyer beware making sure that when you're in you know sketchy app version one <laughs> that you look at that logo and when you click that button that you are sure that that button is taking you to paypal or amazon or whatever uh. Yeah. Um, how can you be and sure? And you're not getting ripped off. Yeah, that's the thing, though, is how can you be sure that anybody can copy a logo and tell you, oh, yeah, you could trust me. I'm not like the others. You know, that's. <laughs> well, it's no that's, different than going to a PayPal purchase off a website. You have to log into PayPal. I, you get a confirmation code for me. You know, I've got yeah. a two factor on it. So I, I yep, know it's here. PayPal. But I can also look at the menu in a web browser. I can look at the address bar. I can click on that. We've right. talked about how to, you know, see, make sure you're secure. Yeah, I can click on the certificate, look at the certificate. There are ways that I can I can check unless right. the app exposes that for me. I, I can't. So that's the thing I worry about is and, and maybe Apple could come up with some technology and ways that third party payment systems would Validate have to it, expose yeah. that yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, you know, for them right now, I think they say, look, the easiest way is just to keep going as we are. I don't know mm-hmm. that that is going to last. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, given yeah. the current environment that they'll be able to stand up to this. They have some there's some this is a little fly by night developers who are now who are opposing this. They're, we've now got some major players, Microsoft yeah. and Epic and some of these other big you know, uh, who's the bigger the, the bigger elephant in the room? Is it Epic yeah. with all of its players? Will people who have uh, Fortnite on their phone switch to Android so that they can keep playing? Uh, there might be a, some. There might be a yeah. significant number, and especially yeah. if Google decides to play ball more, you know, saying, okay, we're going to reduce our rates, Yeah, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, because because Epic, I, I, they they 
the way they did is they put the app out there and said, okay, you want to buy this $10 in-game purchase. It's $9.99 if you do it through the Apple purchasing, but it's only $7.99 if you do it through the Epic purchasing. Right. <laughs> they cut 20% off. Yes. And they did that on purpose to say, you're only going to pay 10% to us above and beyond the... In fact, I think Netflix was doing that at one point when they ended up going getting into a conflict with, with Apple over that. And mm-hmm. they've settled it somehow uh, between them, how, how it works. I forget exactly yeah. the resolution, but, um, you know, the 800-pound gorillas usually fight it out in one of them and, and they come to and, some some conclusion but the yeah. question is is it is what's is the conclusion the best thing for consumers and that's that's what i worry about well if the one of the conclusions was to say oh we'll allow you to get stuff from another store i don't want that i only the fact that it's a wall garden means that i have a lot more confidence right. in the security of those apps yeah, that there's more monitoring, that there's more immediately get it out of the store if it's had a problem and take it off of your device, which doesn't happen if you're on Android. Right. This is uh, this. I mean, as an iPhone user, as an iOS user, the the walled garden, like you say, is one of the reasons I I, I like that it. Is, that's why I'm there. Yeah, and I can no. I get why Android users why they would make a different choice, but uh, but at the moment we have a choice. Well, and and Google does have the faculties to remove to an app from yeah. Android completely. They are, at least historically, less willing to do it than Apple is. Now, that's yeah. not to say that Apple has done that a lot either. I mean, they, yeah. there's, there's relatively speaking, there's a handful of apps a year that they do that with. Yeah, I, and I think Google's kind of the, the same he, way. But, on one hand, maybe. <laughs> you know. So I mean it's it's not it's not so, both both can do that. The difference is with like with my Android phone, I can sideload the right. Amazon you don't have to be. store if I wanted to. Where it's still a still a store that you could say is a trusted store because Amazon is still a, at least as trusted as any of them will be, you know. There things are still going to get through. Things are still going to get through. Apple's still going to make mistakes, you know. I mean they all do. So Right. Right. But you could download a sideload of a game from someplace that wasn't oh, yeah. a store still uh, yeah. on Android, which you can't with with Apple. And that to me is unless unless safety. you jailbreak it, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless you jailbreak. Right. Uh, but yeah, th- I mean, there's this when especially when you're managing devices for other people in trying to mm-hmm. keep them safe. Uh, you know, people who listen to the show are probably a little more technologically savvy than than uh, than other people in their lives and probably right. are the ones we get who get relied upon. So. Um, having that option for people to keep them a little safer is good. I, I say this as someone who dreads the day that Apple decides that Macs need to be as locked down as iOS devices. I, I, they I, keep working that way. It seems like <laughs> I know. You, I mean, I, I I really hope they don't make that mistake because I would. I'm I'm off to Linux after, at that point because I I can't be locked down. One thought I had, um, actually, shortly shortly before this all went down this last week. Google, it seems like every time they sneeze, the European Union is knocking on their door about Monopoly. Like right now, they're, right. Google is in the process of buying Fitbit or has already bought Fitbit. And EU is starting to look into that for monopoli- mon- monopolistic practices. Yeah. And I'm, wonder- I'm almost wondering if the EU is watching this lawsuit going, we might want to look Ooh. into that. <laughs> yes. Which that could change the discussion dramatically. Because you know Apple is going to throw a fit if the EU starts sniffing around. Yeah, this this could all get resolved very quickly if they if they think that the EU is about to uh, get involved in this. So they, yeah, my guess is uh, 
all these big corporations have they all have lawyers on on long leashes uh, ready to yep. go to the, with the attack <laughs> order uh so they're all revving up their retainers well, well yeah i mean look at look at Look at what Epic Games did. They literally had everything in place. So as soon as they released the update, they were ready to hit the send the suit button. Yes. <laughs> put out the, by the way, I, I, I don't know if any, hopefully some people have seen it, but they actually put out a parody of the famous Apple 1984 commercial uh, yeah. in Fortnite. Right. That wow. released <laughs> as soon as they got pulled. Wow. I wonder if there was like a big red button in the conference room at Epic Games. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the CEO is sitting there at his at his desk going, do it, do it, do it. Yes. Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, we'll, we'll keep up with what's going on here. My, my primary concern, like I said, is what does it mean for the user, for the regular mm -hmm. folk? And how do how do we benefit or, you know, not from something like this? Right. And how do we avoid getting caught up in, in the the battles between corporate titans. So let's talk about a couple other headlines. Uh, there's a headline of the U UK court rules police facial recognition trials violate privacy laws. And again, we've wow. been talking about the facial recognition stuff late, lately uh, on this on the mm -hmm. show. Um, a lot of places uh, here in Boston where I live, they, they have just said that the police need to stop using facial recognition. And as we've said before, part of it is because they're just not that good. They especially mm -hmm. for people who are not uh, white males, basically, the, because the, the <laughs> systems have been designed to recognize the, those uh, faces. Uh, and, and so that's it's a notorious problem. In this case, the uh, the UK Court of Appeals uh, says that it it unfairly impacts a right to a private life, which. I thought was interesting in the UK where there's cameras on every yeah. corner. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they do not have a right to privacy like we understand it here in the United States at yeah. all. Right, that's I mean, not it's incredible. Yeah, if you're on the street, it's not private. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. A, a, or a public building, even right. Yep, exactly. I mean, apparently, according to this article, uh, a, a 2009 study found that the Metropolitan Police, the London Met Police. Uh, system had an eighty-one percent error rate. Ooh, I mean that's just that is you know. And but hey, in twenty twenty they switched to a better system, Clearview, which we all know is. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that's the company, by the way, that scraped uh, your photos from Facebook and Twitter without your permission to use in its facial recognition learning systems. So, yay! Uh, yes, facial recognition. It's. Uh, there, I mean, I love Face ID. I love having my, I wish my Mac would do it. Uh, let me unlock it with my face. What I don't like is its use in some of these surveillance systems where it's random people that it's trying to recognize. It just, the, it's very important to realize what you see on TV is not how it really works. Mm -hmm. Person of interest aside, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Like just like they don't they don't match fingerprints through a computer system in thirty seconds. Uh, that's still a very <laughs> manual process. Uh, they don't or run DNA, DNA in an or... hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. It takes weeks. Uh, the, the facial recognition is not as as yeah, uh, useful or accurate uh, as TV likes. Uh, well, I, I wonder. Of course, if you watch you know movies like Blade Runner, where you know, there's these moving billboards that basically recognize you and they show you show they show you personal ads as you're moving, kind of like you see on, on like Facebook and things like that are supposed to be. 
but because it can do your like your biometric profile as you're moving, you know, and you know people are working on things like this. Right. Some of that now there are other systems that they're using for recognition. Some of it is uh is Bluetooth eyes. Well, some of it's mm-hmm. Bluetooth, so your devices. Some of it is right. is being able to recognize the patterns of your eyes as you're walking from a distance, which is scary. You think about it. Or gate. Hmm. Gate recognition systems. The yeah. way you walk is unique uh, to, to you. Uh, not as unique as a fingerprint, but unique enough in general, like right. with other uh, metadata to identify you. So, you know, it's, yeah, you it, take your you take your 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 gaze, the eye, the eye tracking and your gait and your general, you know, I'm six foot one and 250 pounds. And you can kind of get a general image of this person is unique. You know, yes, right. So, uh, but you know, we'll 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 fix facial recognition, and then we'll have to deal with the other things as they come along. Mm. <laughs> so, here's another uh, story out of the UK. This is the week for UK stories. I, I like this one. A, a British <laughs> company has asked residents not to worry if they see one of its package delivery robots in distress, including if they fall into a canal. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, uh, the the city of Milton Keynes, uh, they the, this company Starship Technologies has had a, a pilot program for a, a couple of years now, in fact, where these their delivery robots about the size of a cooler, you know, like a little mm-hmm. like a like a beer cooler uh, that deliver to people's homes, and they're pretty good, but they still once in a while end up in the wrong place, and so there was uh, they've had to issue uh, a. Uh, a press release uh, to the community asking them, you know, it, it says if people see a robot not moving, they shouldn't do anything because we're aware of where every single robot is to the nearest inch. And it may just be having a rest. Uh, <laughs> I know when I go for long walks, I sometimes need to stop and rest. Uh, however, if on the rare occasion someone sees a robot swimming or in any other odd situation, <laughs> then feel free to email us and they give the email address. So uh, that's funny. It, if, too it, funny. They did. They warned that if if an unauthorized person tries to pick the robot up and they're small enough that someone might want to, it will screech yeah. loudly. <laughs> so yeah, probably uh, shatter an ear eardrum. Yes, they did <laughs> That's say probably the point. Yeah, they did say we have had incidents. <laughs> wow. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to having these sorts of package delivery robots available mm-hmm. I, I think it could really be an advantage especially in pandemic okay. time you know if i can get a robot to deliver without having to talk to a you know a face-to-face person who may or may not be wearing their mask correctly you know doing the mm-hmm. snorkel with the nose over the uh top uh <laughs> you know the uh th- that might i can see the advantage of that i i you know so uh but they, they've still evidently got a ways to go to make it work right well, and then, then the drones, you know, the flying drones as well that Amazon's been working on for a while and things like that, too. Yes, yes. Uh, that I'm a little worried about, drones flying through neighborhoods and just hearing like just the constant buzz of drones everywhere. <laughs> Ugh, can you can we not escape that? That would be that would drive me to distraction. I mean, if the if the if the robots with wheels make the same amount of noise, I, I could do without that. If yeah. they're quiet, that would be different. Uh, anyway, so uh, and then our our next headline is about let's see. Um, for six months, security researchers have secretly distributed a malware vaccine across the world. Uh, that's right. You may or may not have already been inoculated with a malware vaccine. What do you think of this? Uh, this idea that uh, for your own good, we're going to secretly install software on your computer to protect you 
from malware. I think Sony found out what people thought about that when they put their DRM software from CDs <laughs> on people's computers, the root kits. I am not, I am not a fan of stuff being installed on my, my systems that I don't know about. Now, of course, those who have been listening to Secrets of Tech know that I am running a Hackintosh, so I know exactly what's on this system, <laughs> down, right. to, you know, down to infinite detail. But the idea that they're, you know, this is a Windows malware. I mean, I, I believe it's just Windows. Well, actually, there is a form of it for Mac, too, from what I, when I researched it. But the fix here was specifically right. for Windows. And, you know, I, and maybe it would be one thing if it came through a Microsoft security patch. Right. Or uh norton or one of the other yeah. ones that incorporated this as part of their protection yeah but somebody correct. just going and doing it yeah i don't i don't think it's a good idea basically a good mal how would you call that a good malware or a <laughs> yeah, yeah. Benny, benny malware <laughs> yeah benny uh, malware grayware well, they've done something like this before and got their hands slapped not the same company right. but somebody got their hands slapped and and couple of people have tried this and in some cases actually caused a problem with the machine they were supposedly trying to protect. Right. So mm -hmm. I can understand the goodwill of the people in doing it, but I think they should have taken it to the antivirus companies and said, hey, we found this problem. Here's our fix. And we, we can't find that it breaks anything when you put this registry key in there. But but don't make it just generally go, you know, spew it out there. Yeah, don't mm -hmm. be don't become a virus to fight the virus. Basically, right. Uh, yep. you, the ends does not justify the means. Is a correct uh, is a long, well worn <laughs> Catholic moral principle. And uh, the, yep. the, uh, the you are installing a viral package that fights another virus without the consent of the uh, computer's owner or user. Uh, that's 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 not that's good. bad. That is bad. So don't do that. Yeah, go to confession. <laughs> So that's our headlines. Uh, I did. We did get a little feedback from our show where we talked about uh, productivity apps and task managers and to do lists. Uh, friend of the uh, show and uh, the network, Marika Donders, uh, who uh, some of us know uh, quite well. Uh, she mm -hmm. wrote uh, in part. Uh, she said, "I thought I'd share what I use, which works for me, for her to do lists and uh, projects." And she says uh, she's usually mostly on Windows at work, and she said that um, she generally starts with either on paper or in Microsoft OneNote, a brain dump of things need to be done. She also keeps a small notebook as sort of an uh, inbox of uh, things throughout the day. Uh, she sometimes uses her bathroom mirror and a dry erase pen, <laughs> uh, which I kind of like that one. Uh, that that helps if you idea. don't have a lot of other people <laughs> who use in the same bathroom <laughs> yeah. who will wipe away your notes. Uh, she also uses the sticky notes in OneNote to make grocery lists. So that that's good. And then uh, then she used her main thing, it seems to be, is a second calendar and outlook to schedule tasks that need to be done. Uh, so she has her main outlook calendar for appointments and then a sub calendar she calls tasks. So uh, that's sort of like what Fantastical does on the Mac, mm -hmm. um, although it's using the, the built in reminders system, but it intermixes them right. with your calendar events. Well, it, it sounds a lot too like uh, some of the, the getting things done strategies yes. you know for organization um you know pro you know categorizing tasks and what are the most important what are things that are long term you know that would be like the brain dump you know the uh the, the grocery list things like that so yeah i mean it sounds like it uses a lot of that kind of uh procedures which is which is a good thing 
you know, of course, you know, it's a bad thing if you have to find time to read the Getting Things Done book. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, is this is uh, she's using things that are not you don't have to pay for outside of of having Microsoft Office. Right. With Outlook, you know, that that type of thing. So that's cool. Yeah. And a combination of analog and digital tools, which is Mm -hmm. also good. Uh, She then mentioned that she was surprised that no one mentioned uh, in, in our discussion mentioned Trello, which uh, she says a lot of her friends swear by, uh, but she likes the concept, but it, it just, for her, it creates more work rather than simplifying life. That's actually a key aspect of all this. Uh, it can be it can be very attractive to play with all the tools and not get any of the work done. <laughs> that's, right. that's a danger of all this. Uh, I, I haven't used Trello very often. Trello strikes me as it's primarily for groups, for collaboration, mm. like some of the other tools we talked about uh, in that in that episode. Uh, so it's very good for people who uh, need to collaborate and and coordinate their work uh, and distribute right. it among a team. Uh, but yeah, I know uh, quite a few people who use it. So, yep. Thank you, Marika. That's uh, good feedback. Very, very helpful. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Uh, so let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Pat, why don't you go first with your pick this week? Well, we've talked a lot about backups and security and how to keep yourself safe. And I realized that one of the things that I often recommend to my clients and and use myself are battery backups uh, for my main devices. And some some of my techies also use it for their expensive devices like TVs that are $1,000 TVs. They protect it with a battery backup because it not only keeps it running for a while, but it also has a, a large amount of surge protection, both surge up and surge down. I mean, you know, drops in power. And when I was working at uh, the health department, we put battery backups on all of our routers and we stopped having outages between buildings. Mm, so oh. there's lots of reasons to use one. Uh, so I've I provided a, a link to one example of that I happen to like is American Power. Uh, I I did a lot of research on them when we were doing it for the health department and found that their their quality of their stuff was just really top notch. They had good warranty practices for a long time. You could take a battery that was uh, near its end of life and they would replace it for free. Oh, wow. (laughs) It was just it just, you know, they had a lot of good policies. I don't know if they still do that, but I've had a lot of people that it stopped working and they just replaced it. So at any rate, American Power uh, Backup UPS, there's several different models, and you can get smaller or larger. I like ones that have more outlets, and therefore you, it really is a, a higher-priced model. Uh, but they do make some real slimline ones now that have like six outlets, two of them just surge protection, and four of them on the, the battery backup so that if something happens, that those devices keep running long enough for you then to power them off safely. Something to keep in mind is, like you mentioned, the batteries do do die the die off. They they need to be replaced every once in a while. The internal battery you don't have to replace the whole thing. Uh, I've I've been looking at the Amazon Basics line of uh AP, of UPSs of of you know. Oh, I didn't know they had one because I like the Amazon Basic products for cables and yep. hubs and things like that. They've been really successful. There's one that's it's fifteen hundred volt amps, nine hundred watts, ten outlets. 
for 136 bucks, which is wow. probably more than what most people need. But for me, I've got a lot of different stuff here uh, that would probably I've got uh, three network attack storage drives and my computer and that sort of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm, I've been it's on my it's on my Amazon wish list. So it's uh, hopefully we'll be able to pick that up soon. But uh, that that. Um, and the other thing you could do is if you have a lot of devices, you could break it up and put half of them on one UPS and half of them yeah. on another so that you didn't have one device that if it went down, all of it goes down. That's true. That's true. I could I could probably uh, do that. I've got one of the EPC units sitting here next to my desk as well. And my, you know, my system's plugged into it. And it's, it is nice for, especially if you've got those times, like there's thunderstorms and things going on because you do have the suppression, but it also yeah. does kind of the, yep. the smoothing of the, the power. It does... Uh, you know, oh, again, yeah. you've got the battery, you know, you know, and again, if nothing else, just the fact that the power goes out, it gives you even, you know, two minutes to shut your system down. You know, even if that's all it does is awesome. To begin yes. with. Right. I do recommend one thing is, is I've had a lot of clients that end up plugging everything into it, including their printer and including their oh, lights yeah. and lamps. <laughs> no, keep it for the expensive gear and your monitor. In other words, for your computer and your monitor and your routers, those would be the things you would want to keep up and running. And uh, the uh, the other things like your lamp, just put them into a surge protector. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing, too, is like the one that you link to that, that Dom will have in the show notes. It has both the battery protection on one side and just surge yes. suppression on the other. So you can right. put your printer on the surge suppressor side. Correct. But then have your, your computer and your monitor, say, on the battery backup side. That's an important point. Yeah, that that they can only supply power to so much. Like you have to you you can't you can't plug everything. You can't plug your fridge into it. <laughs> you know, no. it, well, it can I mean, only provide so much power. And that's that's an important thing. So only put the things you absolutely have to. I've I've seen people try to plug in vacuum cleaners into them. So oh, I understand. No, 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 no. Immediately, <laughs> why did our computer die? Because you blew the circuit breaker on the backup. <laughs> yeah, yep. we actually had a problem at at the, at work with with they. We had a network that went down every night, and they looked at all the gear and everything, <laughs> and they finally they they finally parked somebody in there to watch, and the janitor came along and unplugged the, oh, the plug yes. to plug in the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Yep. It's the human element. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, that's a good good choice, especially in the summer thunderstorm, hurricane, whatever yep. season to, to to get something like that. Very good. Father Corey, what's your pick? So my pick is a game. And the game I'm recommending started out good old-fashioned paper. Mm. But there are digital versions of it. So, of course, that's what I'm going to more promote. But the name of the game is One Deck Dungeon. It's, like I said, it started out as a paper game, a desktop game that is kind of like, it's a roguelike. Now, if you're familiar with the roguelikes, you know, the old, the old classic terminal game Rogue, where you went through this dungeon, you're, you know, hacking through this dungeon, and the dungeon was randomly generated. It was one of the first real procedurally generated games in existence. And so a lot of these first-person games where you have random dungeons, a lot of these uh, different, you know, where you have different things or that are procedurally generated are considered roguelikes. Well, this was a card-based, you know, paper-based roguelike game. Well, they've brought it to uh, PCs, Macs, Android, iOS. You can play this game. And the nice thing about this game is it's a one to two player game. So you don't have to get someone else to play this game, whether the paper version or the, electro the, the digital version, you can play it solitaire. Oh, 
and it's it's a hack and slash. You go through the dungeon, you open a door. Oh, there's a creature. I'm going to kill the skeleton. Oh, there's a chest. I'm going to open it. Oh, I got some gold. Oh, there's some spikes. You know, whatever it might be. And you go through the different levels. And as you go through the levels, you gain, of course, better weapons, better armor, better skills, you know, spells, things like, you know, t- typical, you know, role-playing type game. But the nice thing is it's designed where you can sit down and play it. Once you understand the rules and everything, you can sit down and play it in 15 minutes. Oh, nice. So it's one of those while you're sitting on the, while you're sitting on the bus going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's not like doing a and d campaign where you're, you're doing, you know, months. It's like you're sitting on the bus going to work. You could sit and play one you know, just real quick, that kind of thing. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, a priest friend of mine bought the paper version for a flight across the Atlantic. He was studying over in Rome and was coming back to the United States and brought the paper version to uh, play on the card table there on, on the, the, the plane. The table on the plane, yeah. While he was flying, so. Great idea. Wow. So it's a lot of fun. Like, I will have links. Uh, I give it, put links uh, for Steam where you can get it for the Macro Windows. Of course, iOS, it is in, that, in, the, uh, in the App Store. Uh, Android is in the Play Store as well. So, and then a link to the paper too, if you want to order the paper from Amazon and support SQPN, because I'm sure Tom will make sure that link is there. That will be an SQPN supporting link. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Very good. So, my uh, pick this week is a little app from a, a company called Rogue Amoeba. This is it's a Mac app. Sorry, folks. Uh, that's I'm a Mac guy, uh, but the, it's a really handy mac app it it's called sound source and it's it's very powerful and it does a couple things really well rogue amoeba knows everything about how sound works on on Macs on on, on the, the mac os uh i use rogue amoeba's uh, other of their apps to record this podcast this podcast would not be possible without rogue amoeba software uh at least not in the way we do it and uh, but sound source what it does is it it, it drops down a menu and it lets you control the volume of the sound and where it comes out on a source by source basis. So, for example, oh. I can say music comes out of this speaker, uh, but a sound come that from Google from my from Chrome, for instance, comes out of my headphones and. Uh, the volume should be low here and the, this volume should be higher there. Uh, you can have like sound effects. So, so your system sound effects or system alerts, you can turn those down. So they're quieter and (laughs) and turn up uh, the regular output higher. Uh, you can also adjust the microphone, the built-in microphone, like the the, lower the volume on that. If you tend to be louder (laughs) than people want to hear you, uh, from, so it's really useful. And then it has other things like it, it has EQ. So you can uh, do, uh, uh, change the way the sound comes out if you're if you're kind of into the geeky uh affecting the way the sound is you can do things like boost sound so you can over overclock or over boost the volume on things if you if it if you if it needs more uh oomph uh, if your speakers are quieter or something like that um so it's really really useful in and of itself and then if you could start combining it with some of their other software like loopback or audio hijack you could do some really amazing things professionally with it uh i won't get into all that that's a little more complicated than, than i have time to get into here but it's a great app and it's really straightforward and uh it it it's well worth the the, the price i think it's 
uh, right now, I think it's twenty nine dollars until the end of August. Uh, and mm. it'll, it'll go up after that. But um, if you've ever had the instance where you're like, ah, Spotify too loud, Zoom too quiet, you know, uh, I'm, or <laughs> I'm on Zoom calls that I don't want to have. I don't want to turn off the sound because I can't hear anything then. But I don't want to hear all the beeps yeah. and bloops and my YouTube videos that I'm watching instead of doing my Zoom call <laughs> to, to, be, <laughs> to be heard. Uh, so, you know, they, they, certainly it's well within the round, uh, the, the, the wheelhouse for that sort of thing. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I was just thinking here, I'm sitting here in front of my computer where I've got four different output sources that I could do. I could do my speakers. I could do each speakers on speakers on each monitor. And then the microphone I've got yep. headphones where my headphones go through. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, can have I've, it going through all of them. I have USB speakers. <laughs> I've got headphones plugged into the jack. And then there's several other uh, outputs that, that work. Um, I've got some virtual uh, uh, speakers sort of things, virtual audio right. devices that you can create uh, in, in, in that can send sound to different places it's really i mean once you get into it it's a it's a really amazing how what you can do with the sound on your mac so uh that sound source so i think that should do it for us this week uh we'll take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including aaron d Catherine b jacob k jonathan s and damien s their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Uh, what, what did you think of our discussion? If you have any feedback for us, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find links to everything from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Be sure, if you have not yet done so, to subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Pat Scott, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. I was glad to be here. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. Always glad to be here. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. 